0: Hello again, and welcome to My Time Capsule. I'm Mike Fenton-Stevens, and in this podcast, I ask my guests to reveal the five things from their life that they cherish so much they would like to preserve them in a time capsule. They pick four things they love and are keen to keep safe, but one thing that they rather regret and would like to bury in the ground and never have to think about again – My guest in this episode is the actress Josie Lawrence... ...who has proven since her early days in improvisation... ...on Whose Line Is It Anyway... ...to be one of this country's finest actors. She's been on our TV screens regularly since the early 1980s... ...in such shows as Outside Edge and Downwardly Mobile... ...right through to the present day... ...with Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman's Good Omens... ...Stella, The Kennedys, Absolutely Fabulous, Fat Friends... ...The Old Curiosity Shop, Humans... The films Round Island with a Fridge, Enchanted April, Married to Malcolm and others, and the BBC panel show Would I Lie to You. And on radio, she starred in The Masterson Inheritance, The Lawrence Sweeney Mix, Thanks a Lot Milton Jones, and of course, Just a Minute. But it's on stage that Josie has really shown her skills. She's been a regular member of the improv group The Comedy Store Players since 1985, the Guinness World Record holders for the longest-running comedy group, but she's also played Kate in the RSC's production of The Taming of the Shrew, for which she won the Dame Peggy Ashcroft Award for Best Actress, Toinette in Love Lies Bleeding, and the title role in Mother Courage, Helen of Troy in Faust, Dunyasha in The Cherry Orchard, and at the National she was in Frozen, Picasso's Women, and The Alchemist, And she's also played the part of Benedict in an all female production of Much Ado About Nothing at the Globe, having previously played Beatrice in the same play at the Manchester Royal Exchange. So she sort of went out with herself, really. Her West End debut was in The King and I, and she was in Acorn Antiques, the musical, with Victoria Wood and Judy Waters. Most recently, she was in Oklahoma, and Jonathan Harvey's new play, Our Lady of Sands, which was unfortunately put on hold due to, well, due to you-know-what, but which will be back in September. Hooray! This recording was made during one of the very small periods over the last year when two people could actually sit in the same room. Imagine that. Well, I say two people. Two people and a cat. Eric who clearly wanted to be part of the recording. So anyway, here is the marvellous Josie Lawrence and Derek and the things that Josie wants to put in her time capsule to remind us all of just how nice the company of people is.
1: One of the things I'd like to put into the time capsule, Michael, is really not far from you at the moment. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she's tall and beautiful. She's wearing a dress. So have a look round and see if you can see who I mean. Is it
0: the thing over your shoulder of the Virgin Mary? It's
1: not the Virgin Mary, Um, although I do love my Virgin Mary. Now, before we go on to what I'll put in my time capsule, I'm sorry, Mary, you would go in normally because, you know, there's another one over there. I love my Virgin Marys. <laughs> I did a show years ago called Outside Edge. Can you yeah, remember it? I do Tim remember Spall it. and Brendan Yeah. And me and Tim Spall were Maggie and Kevin, and we were kind of bohemian types. And they had this wonderful sort of muse cottage place in Nottingham that was meant to be our house, the location mm-hmm. for our house. And we had this sort of bedroom that was full of objet d'art and and Turkish carpets and throws and, you know, glitter ball, you know, it was all what Maggie would really be into. <laughs> and at the bottom of the bed on one of the sideboards was this Virgin Mary, if I could describe it to the, to the <laughs> listeners. She's about three foot tall, would you say? Yeah,
0: it, it's a big and one.
1: Very beautiful. She's fiberglass, she's backless and full of tubes And little holes here and there and in her eyes. And apparently she was used in a sitcom um, where they thought that she was crying tears and it was a miracle. And actually there'd just been a crack in her and she'd been put too near a rusty drain pipe. So, and I loved this. We we did three series of Outside Edge and it was one of the happiest things I've ever been part of. And gotten well with everybody and all the crew and that. And... uh, they put it in the boot of my car at the very end, and she came home with me. So uh, I've had her now, ooh, that was 95, I think, or 96. So I've um, I've had her there. So actually, that was, um, I segued. I'm so worried about Eric uh, She's not, chewing on your wires. Eric's
0: not going to let you know. Eric, stop.
1: Well, he, Eric, mm. please, I beg you. Please,
0: for goodness sake, Eric. It's not a way
1: to go. It, it, he's doing it because he knows that it's riling me.
0: <laughs> anyway, it was a great cast, though, wasn't it? Ah, Outside
1: Brenda, edge. Robert Dawes, yeah, um, and and uh, lovely Tim Spall. God, I, I used to laugh until I thought I was going to. You know, when you when there's pain, you're laughing that much. Mm. It was a great show. I loved it, and I loved I loved the character, this sort of free spirit, which was just lovely bold character. Yeah. But no, have another look round. So she's tall, she's wearing a dress.
0: Oh, (laughs) good word. (laughs) And Tina in the corner. I don't know why, actually, this is
1: enormous. (laughs) It's it's a shop window mannequin, I think from the 60s or 50s. She's got, instead of feet, feet, she's got those flesh coloured sort of shoes with heels on. A bit of a tatty hand, and she's lost the other hand after a Particularly raucous party many years ago, uh, for some reason, the hand disappeared, which is why she's got her arm kind of behind her back. And she's wearing, for the listeners, she's wearing like a 1940s type scarf on her head, like land army girl mm-hmm. look. Very glamorous pink lips and eyeshadow. Then she's wearing a Mexican, very bright apron, full of pictures of Mexican ladies in colourful flowers in the hair and all that. Yeah. And then she's wearing a dress, 1940s style. 1940s style, so it looks 1940s. Green and white dress, but it's actually from a shop that was on Saint Martin's Lane in the 90s, Drupium Browns. Mm, I remember. I uh, got a lot of stuff from there in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I and
0: think I got a lot of patterned shirts. From there. Yes,
1: yeah, Drupium Browns—they did good, good stuff. And she's—that sound everybody is Eric now scratching on his.
0: Eric really wants to be in this podcast.
1: He so does. Anyway, that uh, creature there, that beautiful creature, she's called Mandy. And that is short for Mandy rice Davis. Ah. Because when I trained at Dartington College of Arts, we had to do a final director's piece. And there was a guy who um, who is a director now uh, called Julian Webber that was on my course. Mm. And he'd got this old worn copy of Mandy Rice-Davis's autobiography. And uh, he said, I'm going to do about Christine Keeler, Mandy Rice-Davis story. He said, but I'm going to do it on the stage of the Barn Theatre at Dartington. It's going to be like a promenade piece. And the poster for it was a picture of, there's a very famous picture of Mandy Rice-Davis walking into the court with her head held high. Very proud. And um, there's that picture there on the poster and it just said, have you been invited yet? which I thought was an amazing bit of publicity for a play because instead of people saying, have you got tickets for that show? People were saying, what's this party? Have you got an invite? <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. and, and And I had a blonde wig and, you know, and, and we, we did basically the Mandy's little story. He even you smell vision, like when we were like in the expresso coffee bar, there'd be people off either side of the... Um, Stage frying egg and sausages oh, and making so and then when we were in the nightclub, people would put in perfume and aftershave and hairspray, and you'd walk into that. People were being served drinks all night, and it was a musical. You know, it. Uh, you know, like the the actual. Profumo affair was done as a kind of, like, musical in the cabaret, you know. Yeah. He wants to know about the bomb, 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 bomb. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> Notoriety in society. Pulling a Viscount with all due propriety. Give me my chance. That's what I would be doing. <laughs> you know, I could... Yeah. Be, God, I was 18 when But anyway. But in between acting, I became a member of a a harmony group called Denise Black and the Cray Sisters with wonderful Denise Black Mm -hmm. and her her husband, Time Paul Sand, who wrote the songs, and Kate McKenzie. And we did very complex songs about everything, really, about the Berlin Wall coming down, about... um, a woman who spends her day with a series of sex toys just to pleasure herself, which her <laughs> board, and every kind of song you can imagine. And uh, it got to the point where we won the Best Cabaret Act of 1985 in what? City Limits, but it was meant to be something we really enjoyed doing, and we did jonglers and all those places. Mm. It was, me- And that's how, by the way, I was introduced to the comedy circuit. People think, because of Whose Line Is It Anyway and the comedy store improv, that... I did stand-up and stuff, there, yeah. but it wasn't. It was as a music act that I met everybody. That's, mm. But it became too much. Um, to do both. To do both. And so, sadly, although we did it, you know, no animosity, it was, it was a lovely split. We, we weren't crazy sisters anymore, Kate mm. and I. But we still wanted to do a li- little something that wasn't quite as well-known. So there was this French guy called Philippe Boyer, young French guy who looked very French too, you know, short dark hair, like sort of Jacques (laughs) Tati Tati. Very handsome young French guy. And he played the um, accordion. And so we decided to become the KJB, which is Kate, Josie and Boyer, And we would do things like, we would listen to a Fellini film theme and we would harmonise that uh, with the accordion. We did a load of Doors songs like Touch Me Babe, with what? two voices and the accordion. We did all of Shanghai Lil, um, <laughs> uh, the Jimmy Stewart uh, thing. We yeah. played all the parts in that. And we really enjoyed doing it. And we used to wear, instead of little dresses like we wore in, in Grey Sisters, we'd wear trousers, little velvet hats, little black top and trench coats. So we looked pretty cool. So we mm. thought boy, i had been like a black polo neck, you know. He was so cool anyway. He used to drive around in a cab. Uh, you know, I mean, he lives over in France now I in mean, a big castle thing he renovated. <laughs> but um,
0: um. But you've always been bold. That's the thing. No, I've, I've never
1: been bold. Yeah, it's
0: funny you should say that because that's that's the opposite of what everybody thinks about you.
1: Uh, well, I'm really not bold. I've got more to say about being bold later because of another object I'm talking about. OK. But I suppose it's because I improvise that's considered to be a very bold move. I, I can get so nervous. And for some reason, the older I get, the more anxious I get about performing. And I don't know where that's come from. Um,
0: experience,
1: maybe. <laughs> experience. But my dad always reminded me to try and get my equity card. I, after I'd left college, I sang in the working men's clubs because I knew about clubs. You know, my sister and, and went to working men's clubs, a lovely, friendly place. on a Friday and Saturday night the bingo and that. Mm. And my dad remembers me getting a really bad cold and mum going to the chemist and get me something to try and try it out because I had one of these um, talent mornings on a Sunday when you go and sing some songs because I learnt that if I got a series of bookings, I could get my card that way. Yeah. And, uh, I remember sitting with mum and dad in this club on a Sunday morning, just dripping like tissue stuck up the nostril, <laughs> dripping. And this other girl was on who had a proper manager with her and one of those dresses with a slit right up and that thing way. And dad said, "How do you think you're going to do, Wind?" And I went, pulled my tissue out my nose, apparently went, "No problem, Dad." <laughs> I just got up there and, you know. But the the one thing that. Just seems to be in me, and I can't explain it. We did well; it's two years ago now. It feels like last year. We did, um, you know, I, I perform at the with the Comedie Store players every mm, so when for, I can forever since eighty five. Yeah, but also we've started to do live versions of whose lines it anyway. We've done the Palladium for a week, the Old Witch Theatre, and we then did three sellout shows at the Royal Albert Hall, wow. which was like being a pop star. Yeah, it was just the the reaction was amazing. There was me and Clive and the American musicians, and um, and I remember looking out in a little chink at the Royal Albert Hall, like six thousand people, thinking, "I, I don't know what I'm going to be doing when I get on that stage." And it didn't. I mean, the adrenaline poked me up, yeah. but, but I wasn't like, oh, 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 you "Am know? I mad?" But but um,
0: and yes. I have done occasionally done improv.
1: Have you ever done it with the players? I have,
0: yeah. Not with you, though, sadly. Not with me. No, almost certainly
1: because of you were course there. We, we did a lot of um, that. We our paths crossed a lot, a didn't lot. It, in the eighties, and then a we lot. did that scene in bed together.
0: Yes. <laughs> I, well, I was um, in I was I, in your television series. Yeah, course. that's it. That, that's what I mean. I and, yeah, and then we did really you know, that. Thing on Channel 4, Channel 4. Comedy 4. Wavelength or something? Comedy
1: Wavelength, that was before, that was before, oh, before that was extraordinary, wasn't it, wasn't it? Comedy Wavelength? Yes,
0: I remember a sketch from that, in fact, the two of us sitting there, you filling in... Um, a crossword. A crossword, and the answer uh, to every question was fart.
1: Fart, because there was one, frat perhaps was one of the things, <laughs> and I think it was written by Badil.
0: <coughs> was it?
1: Yes, I think it was, I think it was. Yes, that was um, Living on the Hoof, wasn't it? We had to provide our own costumes, no set. (laughs) That was the show that um, sort of introduced Paul, because he was the warm-up guy, and he was so good that they had him on properly. Yeah,
0: at that time, Uh, every time he said his name was Paul Merton, people laughed, (laughs) because they'd seen him on the circuit as...
1: Uh, Paul Martin.
0: Paul Martin.
1: Yeah. A long time ago, Josie, but, but there we
0: are. So, so yeah, come on, so you've got lovely Mandy.
1: So it have got lovely Mandy, uh, KJB. You're talking about Bold. KJB once, the Cray Sisters, always went down so well at the Tunnel Club, you know, just to the other side of the Blackwall Tunnel. Yeah. Malcolm Hardy and Arthur Smith used to host, brilliant. Now, they loved the Cray Sisters there, so we had a bit of a false sense of security when the KJB went there because, of course, we got up... (laughs) We're completely different from the Crow sisters. We got up there, cocky as can be, started singing our little songs. And then kept going, wah, 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 wah. Oh, and, God. and then Kate, whenever Kate introduced one of the songs because she was really posh when she spoke, some people were going, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and then we were starting to do Shanghai Lil, they all started going, oh, oh. and then, and we just went off, said thank you and went off. <laughs> Ronnie Golden was at the bar and it was like a film, you know, in those saloons when you walk into the bar and somebody just immediately looks at you and then pours you a whiskey because yeah. they look like you need... That's what he did. We just <laughs> went to the bar. And then Malcolm the bugger, God rest his wonderful soul, uh, he said, shall we have them back? <laughs> it was proper cat and mouse. Shall we have them back? Oh, and me and Kevin know. thinking, no. Go oh, up there again, don't and like noise. boy, I was going. What is happening? We have never had this before. Oh. Why don't they like us? And, <laughs> and and then we used to end with a, a country western song called "Burn Your Playhouse Down," and uh, <laughs> we got up and sang it. And my friend Kate, as you know, Kate Mackenzie, we all have a beautiful mate. She she was and still is exquisitely beautiful. She would turn heads in any room. And it's the only time I've ever seen Kate look a bit crap. because <laughs> <laughs> She was bright red and sweating, couldn't wait to get off there. And we were saying, "I've got an aching in my heart, arson in my mind. I'm going to burn your playhouse down. Thank you good night, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen." Run to the toilet. Thank Very God nice. he had a taxi. This is going so around the reeking, but uh, Philip and his wife at the time had a, a flat in the East End, and it was full of mannequins. So I said to him, where do you get your mannequins from? He said, oh, they throw them out all the time. You can get them in skips, you know. I said, oh, I quite fancy one. And then Q, like a few months later, I lived in a little flat, about five o'clock in the morning. <knock knock knock> je sais, je sais. are you up? And I, I got up and said, is that you, Philippe? Yes, I said, is everything all right? He said, I have something for you. And the door opened and there was... Philippe holding a naked woman in his arms. <laughs> and Not he said, again. I will put it on the sofa. And, uh, and I went back to bed. And when I got up in the morning, I kind of forgotten about what had happened. And there was Mandy lying naked on my on my couch. And for years, she stood behind a white leatherette cocktail bar. <laughs> uh, and uh, I cannot throw her out. I can't get rid of her. You know, no. she she'll always be with me. You know, she'll always be with me.
0: Not just a time capsule, she might well be buried with you.
1: Oh, God, that would be so weird. <laughs> <wouldn't> <laughs> that Jesse Lawrence. <laughs> now, they say it's an urban myth, but it's true. Jesse it's Lawrence true. was buried with a mannequin. A naked man? A naked mannequin. <laughs> Any more naked, wore we naked. Knew,
0: we knew she was trying to.
1: Tony million. had one <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. There's, oh, there's wonderful. Mandy.
0: Did I work that um, photograph of uh, Mandy Rice Davis, I think? My father was right behind her. No. Yeah, isn't that weird?
1: How extraordinary. Was he a,
0: a... He represented Christine Keeler.
1: I did not know that. No. I did not know that. I, did,
0: I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it was a solicitor. Wow. He, he represented Christine Keeler in that trial. And almost every photograph of them going in and out of court, getting into taxis from the court. There's my little dad looking very serious he wasn't at all serious, my dad. Uh-huh. I bet he was loving it.
1: Gosh, how yeah, about that? I didn't know that.
0: <laughs> there we are.
1: There yeah. we are. Well, how about that, well, Michael?
0: Isn't that funny, isn't it? <laughs> I know. The things you don't know about people, see. Exactly. Exactly. Mandy, she's gorgeous. That would cheer me up every day during lockdown, I think. Coming <laughs> into the kitchen and finding Mandy <laughs> seats there. Well, she goes into the time capsule. So, oh, that's, thank you. so that's number one. Number one. Excellent. Are we going to go round the room?
1: No, because the next thing is upstairs. I'll go and get it.
0: All right, then. I'll leave you with Eric. Eric's, please. <laughs> it's funny. I,
1: I, feel, I feel trepidatious even walking with this thing. Even <laughs> oh, walking about with it. It's
0: really precious Very you. precious.
1: It's one of, the, one of the things I'd save, actually. Oh,
0: Lord bless.
1: He's... People used to think, "Oh, is he a cow? But he's not. He's a dog."
0: That's clearly a dog.
1: Clearly a dog, um, and that's
0: a dog expression as well. Yes, it's a tiny, tiny. It's a tiny thing. little I mean, it sort of fits into dog. the palm of your hand, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, he's white with big, big eyes made of a kind of plaster resin. Now, the reason he's precious is because, and I don't know the full story because Mum sometimes and Dad could remember half of things, <laughs> half of them things, but. When Mum and Dad got married and went on honeymoon... Now, this is where it gets dicey. I forget, because I I think it was Blackpool they went to. And our Dad won this little fella in the fairground on their honeymoon. (laughs) And so Mum always had it, along with other knick-knacks, not too many, carefully placed knick-knacks on her dressing room table. And so Dad died first, and then when Mum died... We had to pack the house up and um, there were beautiful trinkets on this dressing table. There was this little doggy, which is obviously a great memory for them because it was the honeymoon. Mm. And they loved each other so much until until the end. You mm. know? I was very lucky that way. There was also um, a pincushion, one of these pincushions where the pincushion itself looks like a little sort of poof, and sitting on top of it is a ceramic little flapper girl with her legs crossed, yeah. and my sister had that. And then there was the normal uh, pink glass little dressing table candles with a, the with a pink glass tray and the jewellery box to match, and then the brushes that yeah. had the beautifully embossed embroidered background. Mum's dressing table for me as a child was was magical. So I wanted to take this, and I didn't... Realize, I don't really know how to put it in words. I didn't realise how special um, something so tiny and so cheap, really, mm. can be. And it's one of these pieces. It's on my mantelpiece. But whenever, like, either people are staying at the house, not that I don't trust them, but if I'm not here or if there's a party, this and just a couple of other things all connected with my parents, funny enough, go up into a locked room because mm. the idea of, of losing them is terrible. But what's lovely about this, it's not just the little doggy and the fact that it was such a lovely day out when the dog came back to live with them <laughs> and probably a lovely night as well, since so yeah. it was a honeymoon. Yeah. But it's the memory of mom and dad's bedroom because it was such a special... Place. It was where I was because I shared a bed with my sister, who was ten years older than me. My brother had the box room. Me and my sister had a double bed. So whenever I was poorly or something like, I'd be put into mum and dad's bed during the the day, you know. And mum said, and even then we knew you were going to be an actress because so, you was whenever you got ill, you were so dramatic. I had measles apparently once, and I asked mum. I was about eight or something, can I um, uh, see my face in the mirror? <laughs> and someone got a little mirror off a dressing table and, oh, my, oh what am I going to do, mother? <laughs> <laughs> am I going to die? You know, she proper dramatic. <laughs> yes. But there was a lovely perfumey smell to the room and it's, it's, you went in there by appointment only, obviously, but because it was not a huge house. we Christmases and Easter, mum would always put her head round the door and go, he's been. <laughs> and I'd be knocking on John's door saying, get up, John, get up, come on, because he'd always be the last. And then all our presents would be in mum and dad's room and the little presents would be she would have cleared her dressing table stuff off and our little presents would all be placed on her dressing table. Oh, lovely. Little dolls and oranges and sweets. And then at Easter, she would take this little doggy and a thing off and, I suppose, put them under the bed or something and put all our Easter eggs on the dressing table. So this, for me, is not a huge anecdote story. No, no. But it's... uh, it's got to go in the time capsule.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Those memories are incredibly precious, aren't they? I Absolutely. mean, exactly what you're talking about. I know. I picture my mum. I think of it as her room,
1: yes. my mum's
0: bedroom, because of the again that dressing table with those,
1: those strange
0: the, glass yeah. things, not cut glass, but no sort of moulded,
1: moulded glass. Yeah, with you're that, getting and brushes. pinks and greens and and the brushes with the white sort of uh, bristles. Yeah. And-
0: when my mother died I went back to her house immediately afterwards just to check things and I went into her bedroom and on her bed now this was in November, the beginning of November she died and on her bed were three Christmas jumpers for myself and my two brothers that she laid out that morning on her bed
1: oh wow
0: isn't that weird
1: do you think she'd laid them out to wrap them up? Or I she, she'd have no left idea. them there for you? I've known knowledge?
0: Monolog- I mean, did you to walk in the room and see it, it felt very much as if she'd gone, I know I'm going to die today, and I want to make sure that you see these things.
1: Oh, wow. Wow.
0: It's extraordinary, isn't it?
1: <laughs> but didn't you feel, even after Mum had, had gone in that, had, the. Walking into the bedroom, it was like something I shouldn't really be doing. You yeah. know, it was so much their place. Yeah, absolutely. That's very strange doll there uh, next to you, which I call Choochie Face. I went through a period when I was young when I used to collect little dolls like that, and I remember marching downstairs with them all in a, a bag and saying to mum and dad, I'm getting older now, I'm a woman now, I don't uh-huh. want them, chuck them. And they said, We'll chuck them. And in the little cubby hole, which was next to Mum's bed, right at the back was all the dolls and Choochie Face. And I always regretted throwing Choochie Face away. And so when I found her, when I was doing Mum's house out with my sister and brother, it was really special. Also in the house was a load of um, very clean, for some reason, bottles. Dad, Dad started when he retired to... He got ill very soon after he retired, which is a shame, because he mm. worked and worked and worked all his life. But he, he brewed stout and lager really nice, we'd have it at Christmas. And we found one bottle after Mum had died. Right, I'm gonna to have to put him out because he's gonna either electrocute myself himself or ruin your wiring. <laughs> I don't
0: think he can bite through it, Judge. But I know we can say. Oh so
1: Eric, go outside. Oh your little shit. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> True. He just wants to He really doesn't your want to <laughs> He just wants <laughs> He's to He's hiding your wire.
0: his little thing as if you can't see him He's a little
1: <laughs> bastard Right, uh, I don't know what I was I'm
0: talking gonna, about uh, here we go. So you were of about your dad becoming yeah. ill very quickly after Yeah
1: um, And he brewed, he brewed the beer He <laughs> brewed the lot and, and when we were clearing mum's Because he died in 99 Mum died a decade after that mm. And uh we found a, there was this one bottle at the back that still had stout in it. And uh, we said, on the day that we all come to leave the house, you now it's sold and it's empty, mm. we'll stand in Dad's garden that he loved and we'll, we'll say bye-bye to it. And so the nieces and nephews came and my sister and brother and we stood in a little circle and not in a hippy-drippy way, you know, going not like that, but we just said thank you. Thank you to Mum and Dad for being a brilliant Mum and Dad. Thank you to the house, because it's been there all my life, you know. Mm. And uh, then we were going to open the stout, this was my idea, <laughs> being the dramatic one, and pour it onto the garden. Yeah. And then we were all going to do, go down the entry together. It had an entry and a shared yard and there. And uh, John opened the bottle and he went, Psss, like that. And he, and he smelt it, he said it still smells all right <laughs> after all these years and we all had a little swig of it before <laughs> we said right. bye-bye so it, it, it was a, a beautiful thing and that's what this little dog conjures up really yeah, Just, um,
0: yeah. all right well we put the dog into the oh, thank one, you along with mandy she can guard it
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> fantastic so that's yeah. two things what's next we're going to take a short break from my chat with Josie Lawrence for some ads, but we'll be back in a flash.
1: A lot can happen in the next three years. like a chatbot maybe your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times.
0: Welcome back. OK, let's find out what the third thing is that Josie Lawrence wants to put in her time capsule.
1: Uh, now, I don't know if this is cheating. mm mm-hmm. Because it's a, it's, it's a collection of things. One would be a bottle of champagne and a bottle of tequila so you can make a tequila slammer. <laughs> One would be uh, this... Where is it? And the other thing would be this echo mic. <laughs> I've got two of them now because mum and dad had one as well. They, they bought me this one and we used to talk to each other over the phone like this, <laughs> as if we were both in a sub- submarine or something, <laughs> and we used to sing all happy birthdays and it But anyway, when I was, I think it was my 35th, I'm not sure, but I have these amazing mates and we call ourselves which a lot of women's organizations do we would call as a joke the sister but we didn't then we were just a bunch of mates and mum and dad had bought me this echo mic and (laughs) uh somebody had bought me that glass that had been a candle full of candles
0: yeah
1: stuff the, the year before and now it was a glass and somebody bought me tequila and they said, "Have you ever had tequila slammers?" And I went, "No." He said, "You must only have one, two at the most." But it basically tequila, a little bit of tequila, and a little bit of champagne. Then you put your hand over the glass, you slam it onto the table yeah. or the chopping board or whatever. It fizzes up, and as it's fizzing, you drink it. I wish I had one for you to try but you're driving home. Yeah. And you know, swing your migraines have gone in the door, but. Um, <laughs> but we only had this one glass that you could put your hand over and slam, all the others were too delicate. So um, I was at the top of the table and I kept going, Amanda, pass the glass of sisterhood. And then we'd be passing it and, and, and she'd slam and we'd be going slam it, slam it, slam it. All right, then, journey past the glass of sisterhood. And we'd all have a, a tequila thing And then the next year, it became more of an altar. So I was the high priestess, and there was the altar with the champagne and the tequila and the echo mic and the glass all set up. We'd have our meal, usually be on people's birthdays. We'd have our meal, we'd laugh, we'd joke, we'd catch up. And then I'd say, right, it's time for the sisterhood. <laughs> and and we used to play bet Midler's But You've Got to Have Friends at the end. And a, a lovely thing called Sunscreen, about wearing sunscreen. We used to play those two, uplifting things. Mm. But it was quite uncanny what happened and what still happens. Because as a joke, I said, right, we're going to take it in turns to come and slam the glass of sisterhood and to talk about our year. Because, you know... What we want or what we're thinking. And uh, they'd go, oh, no, I can't do that. No, 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 no. And then they'd have to hold the echo mic, you know, <laughs> sort of like. And they'd say, uh, they would say the most amazing things. And what became, ha 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 ha, would suddenly get very quiet. Mm. And we'd really listen to each other's dreams and hopes and wishes. And then after somebody had said, and those are my wishes for the year, I'd say, Sadie, slam that glass. so we'd all go, slam it, slam it, slam it. <laughs> <laughs> As they were slamming it, you know what I mean? Yeah. And um, all around the world, I, I remember doing it for all my the cast that were in um, The King and I. They all did it one Christmas. When I went to Cuba, there were going gang of, like ranchos that sort of guided us around. And it was my birthday on, on top of these Magotti mountains. And these big... Butch, blokes, you know, all all went up and said, Well, I would like to say for my family, I would like this, I would oh, like no, that. Brilliant. And and you can see the, the nature just with that glass and, and this echo mic, you can see how rituals are created. Yeah. And and how they begin to mean something for you. And and during this pandemic, you know, and I've found up my friends, we keep saying what's keeping us sort of something to look forward to which you have is the fact that we're going to have the most almighty sisterhood party when we when we can mm. you know so that has got to be in my it's basically party night but but don't overdo it on tequila slams i <laughs> don't no, no,
0: have no, you, you've never tried I've one I've never but, tried one i've going to definitely try one
1: cuz you know people do the the sort of um, what is oh. it lemon and salt but yeah. no t- try one but it's got to be a chunky glass like that
0: yeah yeah, yeah. And about the break. same
1: portion of <laughs> I normally put a bit more champagne. but You don't fill it to the top, so like half an inch to an inch, and then slam, and, it fi- and as it's fizzing, that's what you have to do. As yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fizzing, but you, it, it, I just thought, well, is that how is that how rituals begin? You mm. know, things that are done year after year, and it probably probably is.
0: Well, it certainly should be, shouldn't it? Often when people get together. They Don't get the chance to say the things that they really mean, and no. you realize quite often afterwards that I wish I'd said that, wish I wish I'd, I'd stood up and said that. Why didn't I just stand up and make a speech? Because I yes. really wanted to say how much I loved them yeah. or how wonderful it had been. And people don't so formalizing it, saying, Okay, we're yeah. gonna do it, you can say anything you right. want.
1: And I mean, some people would, you know, at first, would say, oh, I don't want to, no, no, I don't want to, and then they'd get up and, and actually be the most heartrending, really, mm-hmm. that you know. And as the years went on, you know, it became a thing where after we'd eat, I'd just set it up and we'd know that that was going to happen, you know?
0: Brilliant, yeah. So we will definitely put in to the time capsule um, the Echo mic, which is a fantastic thing. I've never seen one before.
1: I don't know where it's from, but it's obviously not this country because they've translated the plays with it in the following ways. <laughs> it the... does not use battery. It is operated with Echo. We can play with its echo. <laughs> I, I wonder, I've never tried this. I wonder if this one has a different echo. Shall go. I say? Testing, testing, echo mic. Testing, oh, this has got more bounce Ooh, to it. Of... Testing, this is much, wah Wow. Voila. Oh, yeah, Whoa! Oh yeah, 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 yeah! This is the special oh. one. <laughs> keep in it his it sm- box. Yeah, it's keep that in his box. Okay, yeah. then.
0: So we will definitely put in um, the echo mic. Yeah. We'll put in a bottle of champagne, a bottle of tequila, and your lovely slamming glass. The slamming
1: glass. Thank
0: there you, Michael. And I I'm going to come round. We're going to have a party.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what's um, what's your fourth item? We've got one more
1: that you cherish and one.
0: <clears throat> That you'd be glad to see yeah,
1: back on. Yeah, it's, it's it's quite difficult, isn't it? Because I I look around this house. This house is full of bits and bobs, as you can see, especially upstairs and stuff. They're all kind of knickknacks and that, but they all they all mean something. Although I did this strange stuff during lockdown. Did you drew all over the walls? I drew all over the walls because that wall there, for years and years, has had two cracks either side of it where the chimney breast was. Yeah. And every time I looked at that wall, all I saw were these two cracks. And one day I was cleaning out my drawers, as I think loads of people started to do in lockdown. And I'd found a green wax crayon, so I just went up the crack <laughs> and then veered off it and did leaves and then added... And then I thought, well, i better do that wall now. And I, I rather like it. Yeah? There will be a time when it, it goes, but... uh <coughs> For now. I it's like not easy it. to
0: paint over, wax.
1: Yes, it is. I've already discovered that. If you get a bit of um gif or whatever on a sponge, it comes off.
0: Oh, well, there we be other. Yeah, yeah. All
1: right, yeah. you're ahead of the game. Uh, but I, 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 I like it. So it's difficult to pick something. Yeah. Because lots of things, nearly everything, the silliest thing in this house, has a meaning for me, which is great, I suppose. Mm. Um, this is... Uh, Uh,
0: where is it? Oh, sorry. Uh oh yeah, where is it? <laughs> it. <Is> this it? <laughs> Josie Lawrence has just entered the room wearing a denim jacket. It's no, not corduroy. a
1: green A Green corduroy jacket. ...bomber jacket type yeah. thing. I think it's Gap, I don't know. Anyway... This coat has been all over the world with me because it was one of the coats, uh, along with a padded one, padded cotton one, that went trekking with me uh, in the early 2000s when I wanted there to be a bit more adventure in my life. And um, <clears throat> it's been all across China. It's been in Bomar's with the Maasai. It's been on top of Kilimanjaro. It's been to Machu Picchu, it's been to Cuba, and uh, it's not only been a jacket to put on, it's been an extra pillow in the tent, Mm. it's been a little carpet that I laid out when two little kids sort of unzipped my tent one morning in the middle of rural China, these two incredibly beautiful little kids, giggling away, zipped up the tent and I laid down that coat and gave them a wet wipe each and they washed the face and <laughs> I washed my face and I gave them a comb, they comb their hair. And it was one of the best days of, of waking up I've ever had. So this is my really adventurous coat. And so when I put it on, I feel kind of like Laura Croft or something. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, right, here and we it, go. it literally has been everywhere. It's, there was a, a sort of will-o'-the-wisp type Sandstorm uh, when I was walking with the Maasai um, yeah. uh, across the plain, and we saw it coming to us. And also in the Gobi Desert, there was um, a proper sandstorm come. And both times I took this off and wrapped it around my head. Yeah. And so, with this on my head, I could actually hear the whoosh, 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 that goes as, as you're going through something like that. I've
0: never experienced
1: it. It's quite amazing. But my first day in the Gobi, because that's where the Great War of China starts, my first day in the Gobi, uh, I did something really stupid. I mean, I had this tied around my waist, obviously, because it was hot, or Mm. it was in my backpack and came into its own at night because the desert's really cold at night, with the most phenomenal stars, obviously. Yeah. I stupidly set out with um, my contact lenses in. And there is sand in the air. You can crunch it. You can feel it in your mouth. You're crunching it. It's just in the in the air, but you can't really see it unless there's a sandstorm. But it's it's there. And I remember suddenly my eyes absolutely killing me, and they're just full of sand. And one of the girls had this amazing gel that you can sort of squeeze into your eye, and it collects all the stuff because it's sort of and then you it goes into the corner and you take it out. And, and there's
0: the sand. Yeah. Tiny,
1: tiny particles. Tiny particles. Tiny, yeah. You like could crunch them yeah. and that. They, it just must be in the air because I suppose, you know, it is an area that's just completely sand and, and quite extraordinary. There, there was areas, I don't know what the other desert's like, but there was areas in the Gobi that there was one area that was full of kind of like wild rushes and things and, a, and an enormous hair bounded out but like a ginormous hair uh, bounded out and ran across and we watched it away and then the wall there is it's the beginning of the silk route it's very much on the Mongolian border and and the wall there is just thin like almost pieces huge pieces of sliced cake layer cake just uh, straw and sand straw and sand all the bricks have 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 gone and then there are times when you'll see this, it's almost like a huge airport runway, flat, flat sand. But either side, the wind has obviously created its own tunnel and it's whisked huge areas of sand into almost like um, natural sphinxes. And they're all the way down this bit of runway. And then, of course, you get areas. We camped one night in an area where, as you turned round, you just saw horizon. And that was the night that the stars were in a... I think you ought to take flat earthers there, really, because at <laughs> night you really see the uh, curve of the earth with, with the stars and that it, it's, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Although I, something very painful happened that night because I, I think I had this coat on wrapped around me and the other puffer coat as well. And um, you put sort of um, insect spray all over because there's uh, sand flies. But what you forget to do is put it on your bum. <laughs> and then, of course, in the middle of the night, you go out for a pee. And oh, my Lord, they were like, they were like at a banquet on my bum. <laughs> it was a banquet, a bum banquet. Oh, Lord, I could hardly sit down. They probably use this as a cushion as well. <laughs> so.
0: So what suddenly drove you into this world of adventure then?
1: Um, I did The the King and I at at the Palladium, and I I loved doing it very much. And then after it had finished, I'd also, the year before that, well, two years before that, in 99, at the end of the 90s, I'd lost Dad. Mm. Um, And, um, you know, sometimes... And the 90s had been great for me, you know, done lots of stuff and lots of different stuff, you know. Lovely, varied career. But... um, I hadn't sort of met a partner or anything, not that, you know, I'm, I'm very good in my own company. But you know, sometimes where you just look on your life and think, why well, I've got to just have a go at something else. And I didn't know what that something else was. I still wanted to be an actor in that, but I just wanted to take time out. I guess what I'd never had um, years before that is I'd never had a what they call a sabbatical. When I went to Dartington College of Arts, there were only two other people that had come straight from school. Everybody Mm. else had gone out and had their adventures and that. And I guess I'd never really, although I'd had a very adventurous career and, you know, up to that point of of life, I couldn't complain about at all. I would never had that, the travel thing. Then a, a note came through my door for this woman who was doing this charity trek and was trying to get People that were known to sign up for two week treks, and by the end of the night of seeing her, I'd signed up for, for the full shebang, <laughs> and it was amazing that the friends I met on it. A lot of women would join us for two week treks who had either had breast cancer or some kind of cancer or had lost loved ones. Mm. Um, there was a couple right at the end when it was snowing of a um, couple of lovely Liverpudlian widows who'd lost their husbands at the same time. I think they were in their sixties, and they climbed up onto this peak with the snow everywhere. And one of just one of them just opened her arms and said, "Can you see where I am, Peter?" You know, <laughs> it was just amazing. Things happened. Amazing. So, could you People, join in for part of it? And yes, the whole thing? it was a breast cancer charity, and uh, and you could you could just join it for two weeks. So that's but but. We had to leave halfway through because of SARS. Well, not halfway through; right at the beginning, SARS had hit. Really? Uh, but when we could, we came back, and that's why we went to um, Machu Picchu and um, Cuba, as I say, and, and the Masai. And then, and then a couple of years later, because we remained so close with a lot of the ladies, um, we went to um, climb Kilimanjaro, and I did that for a school. Children with learning disabilities called Sunfield in the Midlands, mm. and then always wanted to do another one after that, but never really got round to it. So this coat is saying, "Look, I'm still here, mm. and I still fit." So, <laughs> yeah. you're 61, girl. You know, you've got a lot of life in you yet. Go out and do that next adventure when you can, really.
0: Yeah. Well, we put it in the time capsule until you need it. until I need it. Till you need it. Thank Which you. Which hopefully won't be very long. So that's it. Right, so we've got one more thing to put in there. Have a bit of cake. I'm
1: just going to have a bit of brown. Give you a bit of energy. They're so squidgy, these browns. I've had this one. Right. Are you ready for the thing I want to chuck?
0: I am ready for the thing you want to chuck.
1: <laughs> Let's chuck it. Eric? No, it's not Eric. <laughs> <laughs> did you see you looked round then?
0: He Ooh, did. Me. He Ooh, went, me. what? What? <laughs> i
1: done anything.
0: I just play with a bit of wire.
1: i tell you what I would like to put into... Um, to this time capsule so never see again. Mm-hmm. And this is purely a personal thing. So nobody writing, getting all because I know there's that lovely man Marcus DeSoto who I've worked with. There's the people in my family that love it, and I know it also makes the world go round in lots of ways because everybody needs to count. But I want to put in mathematics. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's been the bane of your life, is the it? Bane.
1: <laughs> the bane. I think I, there is an equivalent, isn't there, to... Um, so
0: you're sort of numerically dyslexic.
1: It feels like I am. Mm. I mean, and I try very hard. I remember it started at primary school. Now, it was already a bit strange for me at primary school because my real name's Wendy. And what I had learned at the age of five or whatever was how to write my name. And above the Wendy house, in we had a Wendy house in the first year of primary, and it said above the little arch door, Wendy house. But, of course, it was only little, so everybody was on a rotor system during playtime. But I would just stroll in there any time I wanted and and kept getting pulled out. <laughs> but they couldn't try explain to a five-year-old Wendy why yeah. she's not allowed in the Wendy house. Yeah. But anyway... It, Later on in, in school, when, you know, when we got a bit older, we, we would do the mathematics and we'd do the times table. And it would make me go shuddery. Mm. Just just anything to do with it. I can sort of, to this day, I can sort of do something if it's tens or fives, I think. I still have to use my fingers. But I would, you know, they'd go... Uh, uh, two, two to four. I have two, <laughs> two, 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 two. Well, I just mine. Oh. I get, blah, 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 blah. Now we do the nine times table, children. One, nine is nine. Eighteen, <laughs> is it? Eighteen. And I just sort of moved my mouth up and down. And, and just hated it. I don't know what it was about it. I just, I just, I just wanted to to dance no I just I just wanted to act uh the first improv I ever did was uh Pied Piper and because I had a recorder and and all my mates were like the mayor of the town and all that and all the lads were rats and and uh, I, I told them to hide under the desks on the hands and knees and to crawl out after me when I told them to and that's been my relationship with them as well so you know a lot of things happen in primary school Um, crawl after me. Um, (laughs) When I say. When I say, when I toot my horn. uh, Yes, mistress, jealousy. And so I never liked it. Mathematics was the bane of my life.
0: Yeah. It does give you a sign of what education was like, though. that they just went, well, just learn it. Just do it, rather than this child's obviously having problems.
1: They they were lovely teachers. There were a lot of us. I don't want to badmouth my teachers, really, Michael. it wasn't that. It was, I think people have things they like and things they don't like. And I probably hid very well the fact that I didn't like it, you see, mm. by miming. And but then when I wrote it down, just hopeless. And then um, because I was, I liked acting, I remember there was a maths test. And uh, I got ill the night before. Okay. <laughs> and then mum realised that uh, that I'd missed the maths test and, mm. and I'd been putting it on, so that was naughty of me. But I thought I'd got out of it and I went to school the next day and my teacher said, um, Right, everybody go out in the playground now, apart from you. Wendy, if you go to the hall, there's the desk in your maths test waiting for you. Oh, Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. This desk and this sort of little blackboard and the test papers and oh bloody hell it was like looking at dancing twigs <laughs> in a white background it <laughs> nothing and then and he's, and he was lovely my teacher actually I mean he said what are you stuck on and I went S- six six times table and he goes which one I said six sixes. And he wrote it on the board and he put six sixes. What do you think then? And I said, I don't know. I just don't know. And he went, six sixes at 36. Say it. Six sixes at 36. Six sixes at 36. So that was it. Unbeknownst to me, some of the kids, especially the lads, had been listening in through the windows and that at playtime. And when I went into the playground whole gang of them going, six sixes are thirty six, oh. six sixes are thirty six. So to this day, I know. Six sixes. What, six sixes? Oh. They're, 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 they're thirty six. And I remember once having a part-time job at a at a veg shop, and wondering why I was so popular. And I think it's because I just <laughs> hardly charged them any money. You
0: just made up <laughs> like the price. I didn't
1: stay there long. It was like, man, it was terrible for me. <laughs> uh, so what I do now is um, with a lot of things. I all my life I've just tried to half things. Do you know what I mean? So I don't overspend or anything. And. There are ways, aren't there? There People taught me a way of doing it on your finger, the times table and that, but it must be another side of your brain.
0: Yeah. In my experience, mathematics is a different world to everybody who approaches it because I've discussed how I do maths.
1: Do you like it? I like
0: maths. I really like maths and I like like mental arithmetic, which is a different thing to maths, really. You know, I like adding things up and multiplying things in my head. I'm not, you know, not some mathematical genius but i like doing it and mm. darts i've always been able to do that taking the numbers away very oh, easily because uh, i can sort of see it in my head mm. and i have methods of how numbers how they relate to each other so for example when you say six six is the 36 i immediately think three is half of six and it helps me to remember that th- you see so the 30 in the three in the six is half of six it's a th- it's a it's a reminder of why it's 36 so those things occur to me yes, all the time. Yes, you but know,
1: you have to know it's thirty-six before you realise it, it's half of six. Yeah,
0: but uh, you know, uh, I like, can, can also see I like, can also see why it's thirty-six because I I know that ten sixes are sixty, and half of sixty would be five sixes, which is thirty. And if you add another one, it's thirty-six. So that's six sixes. Oh, that's
1: good. Yes. So would you be? A, you see, if somebody, if I say seven times eight,
0: mm-hmm. same as eight sevens. <laughs> Well, seven sevens are 49. I know that because you know all the seven sevens are five fives. Seven sevens are 49. I should have taunted you in the playground. Seven sevens are 49.
1: Seven sevens are 49. Sevens are 49. <laughs> see, I can't see it. So I can't see it. So you add
0: seven to that, makes 56.
1: Can't see it. You can't, I can't see, see it. See it.
0: It's weird. So eight sevens are 56.
1: See, I can't see it.
0: Somebody's going to write in and say, you're completely wrong, Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think a lot of it is to do with that ability to kind of see things ahead. It's like, a, well, you see it in films like The Beautiful Mind or something when they're doing all these amazing, I mean, wow, those amazing fractions and divisions and they, you know, what is it? Pi and all that. What is E equals
0: yeah, MC okay. squared and all yeah, And
1: things. you see it on the screen, it comes out in front of their yeah. eyes, you see it. But you my must, do, you then must just be discussing. able to do
0: that with words. You must I can do it with words.
1: Yeah. I can do it with words easily. And I can especially do it, for some reason and I don't know, with um, with rhymes, which is why I enjoyed doing the, the songs so much.
0: Yes, your I, ability to improvise a song has always been the most impressive thing.
1: But and, I don't know why. Perhaps uh, whoever created us, uh, uh, or in some kind of spiritual realm, uh, uh, (laughs) they said, oh, let's give her a bit more of that one and a bit less of this one. Maybe.
0: Maybe in order to have that extraordinary skill with with rhyming, as you say, yeah. I'm the same. I love rhyming. Oh, I love rhyming. I rhyme all the time.
1: I rhyme all the time. I sing little songs to myself.
0: But then my grandson, one of my grandsons, now, if you say to him, Almost anything, he'll say a rhyme back. So he's developed the same skill. I think you know. I
1: did that as a kid as well. That is great.
0: I think he's got a book called "What Does a Bug Sit On?" or something. You know, what a bug sits on a rug, and and what does a a cat sit on? Cat sits on the mat, and then it gets into the, the more on and more. The mat. So now you can throw at him almost any animal, you know.
1: And how funny you've just said that. One of the first improvisations I did was with the Rupert Popkin Collective at the Dunmar was with Steve Steen, mm-hmm. uh, where people would put um, paper into a fishbowl. And um, one of the things, the first one I did with Steve was somebody had written. This is so funny. This is like going back to Mandy. The cat sat on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, and we pretended to be like uh, children's presenters But through the sound of our mouths, having discussions, it was like, Hello, children. Where is the cat? The cat is sitting on the mat. Where were you last night? (laughs) Uh, And he was saying, you know, you were with her, weren't you? Where is the bird? The bird is in the tree. Can you see? Are you fucking... you know it was, all that, it was that that kind of and and you just said that that's just reminded me and that of brings back that. that
0: improv from all that time ago. Yeah. Is that amazing? Because if you were asked to at the end of an evening where you've done improvisation. Can't remember. You say what was that game? I don't remember any of the things I said. You
1: get a lot of who's line people who come up and recite things to you or sing a sing a song. It was very sweet actually once though cuz there's a brilliant um, improvisation Um, improviser, sorry, um, called Pippa Evans. And we are in an all-female group together, me and um, Lady Cariad and uh, Ruth Bratt and Pippa Evans. And Pippa and Ruth and that, they were all fans of Whose Line when they were teens, you know. And so Pippa, because she especially loves improvising and singing, had learned a load of the songs that me and Mike McShane did Wow. And one night she was on with the players guesting with us. And so was Mike. And so was me. And she said, it's so weird being in a dressing room with you two. So we said, well, we can't remember anything we sang. And she said, well, I'll sing something for you then. And we sat down and sort of held hands, me and Mike. And Pippa sang, I think it was the cat litter song or something. (laughs) We can remember it and she sang and she said, Well, I never thought I'd do that. Well, <laughs> uh, how lovely. Yeah, sweet.
0: And is that Carrie Ed Lloyd as well?
1: And Carrie Ed Lloyd, yeah. Oh, yeah. she's fabulous. She's fantastic. Yeah. It's a good, the three wonderful women, yeah. actually. Yeah. We do a show where we just take one word and, and, and run with it in um, but we we always were so busy. So our shows are, are very precious because we only do about four or five a year sometimes, mm. you know. But it's great, being with the three
0: of them yeah and they love working with you apparently because uh, they get paid twice as much as you and you never
1: (laughs) 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 that's been happening all my life with the players as well that's why people would
0: get Josie in she (coughs) she has no idea what we're paying for
1: we, well, we've... Uh, what was the box office take The box office takings were £2,000. So that means there's... Divided by six? £16.50 for you, Jess. Woo! <laughs> thank you. And you go, hang on a minute. <laughs>
0: uh, six sixes are 36. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Oh, OK, no. well, I'm going to banish. I'm going to banish mathematics. Hey. It's gone. I'm brilliant. Well, uh, uh, so there we are. We've done it. Fantastic. We've done it. What lovely. Things. What a fantastic time I've had eating cake, <laughs> playing with echo mics,
1: <laughs> and
0: being entertained by Eric. It's been really oh, fantastic. Thanks, Josie. Thank you. Here we go.
1: Thank you very much, Michael.
0: Uh, Josie Lawrence has left the building.
1: <laughs> uh-huh.
0: <laughs> you have been listening to My Time Capsule. With me, Mike Fenton Stevens, and my wonderful guest, Josie Lawrence. If you've enjoyed it as much as I did, then you can subscribe to this podcast for all episodes past and yet to come on ACAST or your own favorite podcast provider, where you can also rate us and leave a small review, perhaps. You can follow my time capsule on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for me or my TC pod. The theme tune is available in full on Spotify and is by Past the Peas Music. This was a cast-off production and the producer was John Fenton Stevens. Right, before we go, I just want to say thank you to the Anagram Hunter on Twitter for pointing out the very interesting anagrams that can be made out of the name Mike Fenton Stevens and the title My Time Capsule. So, until next time, I'm 17 Fit Monks and you've been listening to...